Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Brian Brannigan from Lazarus Soul. They released their fifth album, The D They Put Between the R and L, in May. And I've had it on constant rotation ever since, particularly Long Balconies, which I think is one of the songs of the year. It's absolutely brilliant. The album as a whole is really, really great as well. A Lazarus Soul are a four-piece. Brian Brannigan, Tony Hagerty, Joe Chester and Julie Bienvenue Millilieri. And they have been going, as you might have guessed from the fact that this is their fifth album, for about two decades. So they've seen a lot over the years. So I talked to Brian about how things have changed, why they decided to record this new album, what it means to the band. And you can catch A Lazarus Soul live at Whelan's on October 30th. I think it's the only announced date that they have for the rest of the year. So I think it's going to be a really special show. So definitely try to get to that if you're in Dublin that day. It's a Wednesday. I've been very lucky when I've been recording the Point of Everything podcast that I've had very few mishaps. There was one or two episodes that uh, didn't go up because of uh, some technical difficulties. And luckily, I caught myself just about in time with this interview that I did with Brian. I I forgot to press record for the first two minutes. So I started off by asking him about the name of the album, the D they put between the R and L. It sounded like a riddle to me, but then as soon as he explained it, it made total sense. It's almost like a Dublin phrase, he said. It's like uh, like girl, G-I-R-L. You stick a D in there and suddenly it becomes like real kind of dialect. Girdle and world. You can stick a D between the R and L there. So it's uh, wordled as well so it's kind of a a Dublin thing and then I asked him was it a particularly Dublin album and he said that it wasn't an intentionally Dublin album so then I asked so what was the intention when you started if you didn't want to create a Dublin album I was trying to you know a lot of the teams that we have you always go back to you know where you come from you know them formative years it's very hard to get away from them when you're writing so like even when i'm writing about now you know my kind of summer experiences and my childhood experiences always going to be grounded back where where i came from so i was trying to write very much about now and, and settle kids and lemon sevens and and that is about the neighborhood i live in in, in now but um but i i just it's just my style of writing you know that, that wrote back in there was it a surprising um turn the way that the songwriting went yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it just kind of happened. Like, we, we kind of don't force, you know, the writing, just, just let it go the way it, it, it does. Um, Joe, Joe and Julie, um, after the last record, they moved to France and they, they live in Nice. We said we'd make another record, but it, it didn't, you know, it didn't seem like that our circumstances, our personal circumstances didn't lend to really, you know, playing or being together. Or, so I hadn't seen them in a long time. And so when I was writing them songs, it was very much, um, I wasn't thinking that we were making an album, you know. I thought if we were going to make an album, it'd be a couple of years down the line because um, we weren't able to get together and, and rehearse around. So it was kind of made in bits. So even when we started recording, like Joe came over, um, he was he released his album, Taste of Vigil. And when he was over here, he um, he was just coming out to my house and recording the songs. But they weren't going to be a Lazarus Hall songs. It was just like, have you any songs? We'll, we'll just make recordings of them. And... You know, um, we kind of figured out a plan as, you know, Joe thought the songs were really good and we kind of figured out a plan um, as we went along how to get Julie. So I flew over to France and we got Julie to record the drums and came back to Ireland then to get the bass drum. So we were doing them in bits everywhere. So um, so really when I was writing the songs, I wasn't thinking of them as a Lazarus Soul songs. I was just sitting at home playing just for my own amusement. So um, 
And that, that's just, just the kind of style that was, it was on an acoustic guitar where before we'd be jamming in, in a rehearsal room together, so they'd be much more noisier and much more jams than songs, you know what I mean? So I think these are much more song-based songs. Is is that something that you'd always do anyway, like just sit and write or just kind of strum away and like see what happens with the songs, like whether or not it becomes a Lazarus Soul song or something like that? Um, not not before because I'd, I'd always have the band there, so it'd be all I'd be thinking. You know, you I used to, you know before this like last analog age, it was like I was thinking like, you know, I'd come up with an idea and I'd be thinking of bass drums and, and guitar for it, and you know, they'd be very much with a band in mind. I'd be writing, but this one I wasn't. So no, it was very very different kind of approach, I suppose, because I didn't really think we were going to get back, you know, together in the foreseeable future. Had you kind of made peace with that? You were like, I'm happy with what we did as a band. You know, if 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 it doesn't happen again, you know, I'd I'd be happy enough with what we've done over the years. Or or did you always know? Did you always know that it was going to? You know, that you'd be releasing another album. No, we, we I, I I was happy. Like I was really happy with last year on the case. That was probably the, the album that I was happiest with. And yeah, I, I, you know, we have a really relaxed approach to what we do. I mean, it's not the be all and end all of everything for us. And um, yeah, you know, if, if we didn't make another album, you know, and, and, and same now, if we didn't make another album, I'd be quite happy, like, you know. Um, so yeah, so I, I had kind of made peace with it. And, you know, even in the last, especially in the last couple of years, I used to like, maybe first two or three albums, I, I was always trying to write songs. And after the third album, I kind of gave up that. Um, way of thinking and uh, you know I only write when you know if an idea comes I write it basically you know what I mean so um, carry me phone everywhere has a recorder on it so if an idea comes I'll sing it in and then go back and, and try and work it but it's, you know it's not something that we have to do I mean we all work for a living you know music is just something we do as a hobby and you know it's not something that we have to do or we depend on we just do it because we love it so yeah I, uh, like I, I was going to ask you just kind of how it actually works recording a fifth album because a lot of the bands that I talk to are kind of new artists they've released one or two albums and almost the idea I think of some of them getting to five albums almost isn't there it's almost like it, it it's such a rarity almost these days like how does how does making an album now for you compare to like making those first ones like almost 20 years ago yeah you see for us, it's not really that different. I think bands don't get to do that because they're actually depending on their band as a living. And I think that's the kind of difference with us. And, I mean, you know, if we don't make another album for four, no, no one's waiting on their records, you know what I mean? We, you know, um, so if we don't make another record, it doesn't matter. And I think there's just a lot of pressure on bands, um, you know, to, 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 to keep churning out records. And, and I think that has an impact on the band. And if a band doesn't make it and it's forced forced their second album they have to disband do you know what I mean so you know I left school and went straight to work so music has never been my source of income and thank god that's not because it's just you know it's so bad these days but um, and you know I, I you know I salute anybody that 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 does it for a living like because it's incredibly difficult to, to maintain now um but so for us it, it's always been the same it's just like you know we take a couple of years to write a batch of songs and we think we have a good enough batch of songs then you know Joe is the producer multi-instrumentalist so we can basically do what we want um, you know Joe you know we come up with an idea Joe can do it you know what I mean so um, we've always made them in, in our houses as well like so like you know Joe just comes out with a recorder and a couple of mics and he's just you know incredibly talented and, 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 and can turn my mad ideas into something listenable 
<laughs> it sounds like you're you're very content, I guess, with um, what Lazarus Soul is now in 2019. Was it different back along? Did you ever think like, oh, geez, we can make we can make something out of this, you know, if we try hard enough, like or, or, or were you always, as you say, kind of like happy enough just to kind of see it as a hobby? Was it ever more than a hobby for you? Um, I thought if any, if I ever like was behind a record where I thought this could be really big, it was Graveyard of Monday Cars, and was kind of disappointed it wasn't. And but I, you know, I, you know, my whole philosophy kind of changed after that record to to just you know, I kind of stopped. I think after Graveyard of Monday Cars, I mean, the band I was playing with at Bands of Future Kings of Spain, and we kind of we stopped playing. And I think in my head, I was like, on a knock going to make records again and then I stopped trying to write and then just ideas came and I think that was a big you know big turnaround because it was less forced and you know just when songs came I just tried to capture them and that was a big big turnaround I think from then on it just became that kind of really relaxed approach like you know if we do what we do if we make a record we do we, we don't we don't so that was a big change but I think of anything where we kind of thought you know yeah we could do it I think Graveyard of Wonder Cars and, um, was the record yeah and and like would that be something that you'd like give advice to to a younger band like maybe not try so hard at the beginning make sure that you kind of enjoy it rather than kind of forcing something to happen i don't know um again i suppose it's it, you know let's say we were working so we can afford to take that approach um you know i think if a band's you know, I, I, I just think when bands come, come out now, there's just so much pressure on them and, they, and, you know, they have to do it in the first or second album. So I think it's very hard to have that, you know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of the bands now are, you know what I mean, like the Fontaines and stuff, they're incredibly talented and, you know, there's so much, you know, self-assurance. It, it, it's great to watch um, bands like that now. It's a, diff- it's a different world. Like, I wouldn't be giving anybody advice. <laughs> Probably the worst person in the world to give band advice. <laughs> Um, just coming back to your point though I, I think that it is kind of important I've been thinking about it like lately just kind of like taking a break in between things it's important to like not always be thinking about like the thing that you're creating you know it's good to kind of get away from it kind of forget about like say songwriting yeah. or something for a while yeah even, even working on, on tracks like you know things you know take yeah taking breaks for them and just you know sometimes I write songs over like two or three months you know I mean not not constantly but you know, when the mood takes you, you just kind of go back to something. And um, I, I found with records, definitely the last few records, because I'm quite impatient and um, kind of get bored really quickly. And I, and I found with the last two records, we took way longer than I would have normally took. And, you know, there were so much better records for that. You know what I mean? Even um, even how you, you know, how you put songs together and what, what you know, like I drive myself mad in the last two records of what, track listing we were going to have and stuff like that to, to, to the point where you know you're almost sick of the records before they come out but I think they really benefited from that you know and, and especially the last record like the, the, the recent record because um, we'd finished it mastered it twice and then um, I decided I was putting long balconies on it because I just wrote long balconies and um, and then we you know kind of said no we need to open the record again and put this on you know what I mean and and, and that was a track that's, that, that's really got everybody's imagination off this record so I think it's really worth taking taking time out yeah wow I didn't really I didn't realize you got for, okay first of all uh what why'd you get it mastered twice we, we got mastered in the States. Joe wanted to master it and, and I <laughs> I wouldn't let him and I, I decided that 
Now, because I always used to go to the States to get a master and and they made a balls with this one. And I, I, to my ears, it was all right, but Joe was like, Joe didn't like it at all. And, and, and um, they actually did another attempt at it and it was worse. So um, we, we kind of, this album was quite nuanced and there was quite a lot of sort of strangeness on it and we didn't want to lose it. We just didn't want to all iron out. And that's what they did, even though we told them not to. So then eventually Joe, Joe said he'd master it. So he'd mastered it and then we were, we were happy with that. And so then, then, then I draw along back and so I was like, yeah, we need to open the sessions again. But when we opened the sessions again, we all had things that we weren't happy with. Like Julie wasn't happy with certain things and, and I wasn't happy with certain things. So we fixed everything on the album and then we were like, right, now that sounds like a proper record now. So. <laughs> and and like were, uh, when you listened to it for the first time after it was mastered with Long Balconies on it, where you're like, right, that's that's a finished album now. We're happy with that. It was the happiest I was, but it's the most nervous I've ever been putting out record. And I, I think simply because um, we had never played the songs to anybody and we had, actually hadn't played the songs together. So like the album launch was in the Grand Social Fair on the Friday and on the Sunday, uh, we act was the first time we'd actually played the songs together as a band, like, and it's the first time we'd played in five years. So I was kind of up the wall. And now when it, it was the it was the first time as well in, since I started that was a whole batch of songs wrote together, like so. So it was only like nine songs on last analog days, and three of them are old. So it was the first time I wrote a whole batch of songs, and, and no one had heard them. So, so it was really you know the album came out on the Friday. The tour stay was the first time people started texting me, going, you know, saying. They love the album, so I was really, really, really nervous about the record. Um, so yeah, so it, I was happy going. This is the best I think we can get it, but it was the most nervous I've ever been. Um, so, with the reception we got, we were kind of blown away. Yeah, it, it does kind of seem like an album that's catching a lot of people's imaginations. Like straight from the off, it feels like a kind of an important album. Like I don't know if you'd see it as a protest album, maybe, but it certainly comes across that way with a good uh, with a good few of the songs to my ears. Yeah, and I, yeah, and a lot of people again. I was we did an interview, and, and, and the first interview we did, and I was like, oh, "Where where did you get this from?" Well, I I don't I I hadn't actually you know. I hadn't actually, I don't go and study the record. We just go and write the songs and we record them. And, you know, the, it wasn't wrote as a big, you know, piece. Like, you know what I mean? It was just, I wrote a song, wrote a next song, wrote another song. And um, it was when people started taking it apart and started saying that was a protest album. I was like, all right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I suppose it is, yeah. But it wasn't, it just wasn't something that kind of struck me as, as being that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big, grand statement that we were trying to make it was just you know i think i think with the songs as well i mean there's you take something like lemon sevens on the record to me that was just a love song you know a dark love song um but there's homelessness homelessness in it there's, there's addictions in it there's all this kind of stuff you know what i mean that's going on on today but to me it was just writing a love song basically at the heart of it it's just a love song so um so i suppose when you look at it there's lots of lots of social teams on the record like that that that's you know going on today yeah and, and and that's it kind of the anger there is an anger there as well i think I don't, I don't know if you'd agree with that either but i mean that is kind of what kind of shines through for lack of a better word just on on some of the album on some of the um song titles like even on long balconies maybe you'll just Maybe you might just explain what that song is about because um I, I think it is kind of the standout track on the album after, you know, the couple of months that I've been listening to it. Yeah, it's 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 about kind of 
flat complexes around Dublin and and and, and you know the great communities that are in it and you know um you know how they kind of get stigmatized and you know a lot of the flat complexes got run down you know to me purposely let run down to the stage where you know it was out of Devonie Gardens in mind where it was supposed to be a regeneration project and you know it was an amazing community there and how they could have just you know uh, built on that land but to me it was kind of a land grab I mean I don't know what they're doing with it now but um, but, but basically people were, were run out of it like they let it run down till it was like you know because it was in awful living conditions and then um and then people were kind of forced out you know what i mean and they broke up communities for the sake of and again i don't know what's going there but it just seems to me like that's prime real estate um so that, you know they didn't follow through with the regeneration and just broke up the community so do you miss living in dublin like you said you've been living in maynooth for 15 years like it is dublin somewhere that you miss being or are you there regularly enough well people call maynooth the greater dublin area but um it's it's I spend I spend I spend a lot of time in Dublin. I mean, I'm a big music fan, like so. I go to gigs every every week. I'm in Dublin, you know. And my family still in England, so you know, I'm up there every week as well. So, um, but now I, I, you know, you know, a big part of this uh, album as well was was kind of me kind of finding home. Um, out in Manute, you know, it took me a long time to kind of settle in. And um, I have a daughter now, a ten-year-old daughter, and kind of true horror, I kind of found the community, and, and that's what the likes of Sally kids and stuff is about. You know what I mean? Um, so now I don't. I mean, again, I'm, I'm up in Dublin a lot. You know what I mean? And and so maybe maybe just continuing on from that, like uh, how how does the music scene kind of compare now? to what it would have been like when you were starting out 20 years ago again is it just like you can compare it or is it kind of you know there are all these new bands coming through there's so many good ideas coming through and it's just like uh there's always going to be a scene there yeah i think when when i started going i was really lucky when i started going to town i was about 18 and and um there was that kind of '90s scene, so there was like these amazing bands like Wormhole and Sunbear and Pet Lamb and the Idiots and 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 Whipping Boy and Wallace Gay Skinny. There was just an incredible scene there. But I think the difference then was no one was ever going to get signed. I think um, you know we spent a bit of time in the kind of songwriter scene in the international as well, and that was the first time um, anybody you know you know had a chance of getting signed like i seen the likes of paddy casey and dempsey and all the signed record uh, deals but the scene in the early 90s that indie scene it was it was incredible because because no one thought it, or there was no chance of anybody ever getting signed it was just the kind of weirdest you know um you know far out kind of music that was being made but it was you know now i look back and i realize how lucky i was to actually be part of that now you know i mean i talk to people now and it, 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 you know they talk about it in such great terms you know i think the difference now is that you know kids are are, are so savvy do you know what i mean like they're 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 becoming world-class bands now in ireland i think it's a really really exciting time for music there's always great bands in ireland and i just think it's you know whether they're on the ground or, or whether they're kind of doing it now now they're really doing it on the international scene and you know it's just it, it's so varied as well you know it's going to junior brother and Mortar capital and fontaines and um, breed my power. It's just, it's just so much coming through, and it's so varied as well. But I think, I think the kids now are just so savvy, and um, you know, they, you know, they, 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 there's a lot of world class stuff coming through. I think this, in the last year, it's just really, really exciting. You know, and, uh, I don't know, you can see it. Like there's all the Irish bands that were doing the, doing the business. You know? 
Yeah, I, I guess the thing that I think about, when, ju- just hearing you talk there, it's just kind of like there's a real ambition around the young artists yeah, these days. Like, I, I, I guess it's just like the the Internet, maybe, you know, that yeah. they see they see the career outside of Ireland and like worldwide and stuff. I guess it was more innocent back then in the late 90s, like all those bands that you mentioned. I don't know if any of them are still together. Like, I, I, I mean... I know I know of Sunbear. I've listened to them uh, a little bit, and they're very much kind of a cult band. But um, they, yeah. like they just haven't been a, a a going concern, I suppose, for so many years. Yeah, I think ambition is probably yeah, probably hit the nail on the head there with describing it as ambition because you know there's so many people that you know like Martin Martin from Sunbear. He's been in um, Tin Charm and and Ruby Taylor's Ruby Taylor's album is just to me it's just like pop masterpiece. Um, um, but he, yeah, he, he he still makes music. But yeah, I think ambition. Yeah, there's a like I, uh, there's so many people that I think are great that's around, and some of them from that scene, like um, Alan uh, O'Boyle from he did, did Legions of Two and the Decal and stuff, and 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 you know, to me, these are just absolute geniuses. Like um, the Last Sound, the Warning Hall and Knives. It's just just so many bands out there. But yeah, they just. Maybe maybe it's a lack of ambition of our generation that um, they just go and make music and, and don't push it. But and, and and that's what it is. I mean, the kids now are really really ambitious and and, and they're making a very system as well. It it does kind of seem like that that era of um, kind of I guess Dublin acts like you don't really hear about them that much. It seems like there's almost a gap, you know, um, for, from from my point of view where everything just kind of started back up in like 99 or 2001 where you have that kind yeah. of um uh Whelan's type of scene with Glenn Hansard and stuff it seems like mm. you know there's there's a lot of lost bands there almost yeah and even now I mean I could name so many bands like that I know that you go to see and it's it's almost like a separate scene maybe if we had something like a, a BBC six or something like that you know what I mean um you know, maybe we're not big enough or something like that. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of kind of non, um, kind of commercial acts that are absolutely incredible. I mean, to me, if they were in England or they were in America, they'd be, you'd have a big, big following. You know what I mean? Even like, you know, one of one of my favorite albums this year is Dina Brands. I mean, um, it's it's an incredible record. I love it. You know what I mean? But it's just very kind of laid back in their approach of putting out the records, and, and it's not in you know everybody's kind of top 10 list of the four six months or whatever but to me like it's 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 one of my favorite albums of the year you know what i mean so um i think as well i think maybe as well if you're going for a long long time and you you don't break through i think there's a lot of bands like that in ireland that 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 don't then you know they're not in the press every week and they've been making albums so people we're one of them you know what i mean so you know this album has kind of on the business for as much more than the other records but I mean this could have just easily been like last the analog age you know what I mean? so there is I think you know maybe if you don't make on your first or second album people just kind of gloss over you and you don't get the press and the play that you should I think there's a lot of bands in Ireland like that and, and they're amazing I mean I love going to see them I mean I, mean, I love nothing more than going down to you know um Lower Deck or Whelan's or any of them. That's not called Lower Deck anymore. But, um, but just going down and, see, and seeing them bands playing two or three incredible bands, you know what I mean? And just, you know what I mean? So all over Ireland, there's probably bands like that. Yeah. Um. And and maybe just kind of sticking with that kind of like early naughty scene, is that, is that roughly yeah. when when a Lazarus Soul um, started out? Was it 2001 was your debut album? 
Yeah, 2001 was a debut. I was in a band called Subassembly before that, and uh, but yeah, um, Lazar Soul was the 2001. We went, we didn't. There was no kind of set band. It was an album that I made with Dochester, and um, you know we didn't we didn't play that much. Um, yeah, it, it, it originally it was uh, Pat and John from Ten Speed Racer, and um, Derek Shannon from um, Darkroom Notes, um, but uh, quickly. It became uh, the Future Kings of Spain. The three, it was a, they were a three piece at the time, and myself. And for about six, seven years, we played together. And we, went, we were making great out of one carries in between um, the futures. They were they were doing really, really well at that time. So they were a lot of time touring England and Europe. So when they were coming back, we were getting great out together. Yeah, it's it's like you're almost um, you know just two bands that I kind of associate together. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're still all great mates and. Um, we played the Ivy Gardens um, uh, there with Dempsey there recently and Brian came along and was helping us out on stage and stuff. So we still are really, really close. Ah, very good, very good. I, I heard I heard rumours that they might be getting back together. I don't know I don't know if you can uh, spoil the surprise or anything like that. Or you, That's uh, me putting that rumour around. <laughs> <laughs> they play together. Um, I probably shouldn't say this, but they do, they do play together. Um, so Tony is, plays with Lazarus Hall, obviously, um, since, since the very beginning. Um, but uh, they, they they still rehearse um, quite regularly, like yeah. Fing- fingers crossed. I think I think it'd be great to hear hear more music from them. You know, it's been so, yeah, so many years. Yeah, yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, I'd love it. Um, yeah, Joey's still playing away, and he's he's, he's writing. He's wrote some amazing songs. So, um, so yeah, hopefully. Um, you've mentioned uh, Joe Chester, who's a member of um, a Lazarus Soul, uh, a lot through the podcast interview. Um, yeah. Like he he's kind of been there from the start, has he? Like it seems like you've just got a really great rapport with him. I mean, obviously he you know salvaged the album from after the two masterings that went wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. He, well, he 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 recorded, mixed, mastered the record. I mean, he does he's done more of the record than I have. Um, but uh, yeah, we know each other from the first record. He he made a record um, called "The Sound of Bells." I actually remember the first time I heard it, it was in the main fiddler. I think Sunbear were playing, and he played with Sunbear at one stage. And um, Pat Barrett at the Hedge Schools was saying when you hear this record, I was playing over the speakers, and um, I got a cassette copy of it. You know, it was just the first "Sound of Bells," and that sounded as ambitious as that. And then he made um, Nina Hines' uh, creation album as well. And when I heard that, I was like, oh no, this fella has to make a record. So, um, so yeah, we, we, we were able to track him down and, and, and uh, he made a force record. And he produced, he produced all the Lazarus Soul records and played on them as well. Um, but it wasn't until uh, last year on the log age that he started actually playing as a fully fledged member. We, he'd do sessions and all that. Like, we were doing RT sessions, Joe would always come with us. So he's always been there. But um, as I say, he was last year on the leg age. 2014 that came a proper member and and like how how does the relationship work is it i mean how how does the actual recording work i mean with with them living in france and you living over here was it was it done over the internet or was it done like in an actual physical room together oh no well basically joe came um joe was over here so he put the individual out so he was over here an awful lot and um, he was 2017 so Anytime he'd be over, like he'd, he'd just call out to the house and, and um, we would record. Uh, we recorded the basic tracks in, in, in my gaff. And then uh, I flew over to Nice and did about four or five days over there um, where we, we overdubbed a lot of guitars. And then we went to Vance's little studio. They had a Vance's lovely little town about an hour away from Nice. And uh, 
three of us got the bus up and, and Julia recorded our drums. We just had one day. Everything was kind of done like that. Um, like Long Balconies was done in about three hours. Um, uh, and then, so, so it was kind of done that way. And then we came back. Then eventually we got back and we were able to get Tony out to play bass again out of my house. So it was over, kind of overdubs the way it was done. Right, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you say that it's the happiest that you've been with an album um, and like the response has been really good too. Uh, it seemed like altogether now, I wasn't there, but I did see the pictures and stuff. It felt like that was um, kind of a really nice moment for you. You got a really good crowd and stuff. I mean, is that one of the highlights of the year for you? It's probably the highlight of our musical career, I'd say. Um, it was just, it was unbelievable it was, it was it was the big tent it was the second stage it was the big tent and um we kind of walked down to see what the tent was like uh me and my missus and my kid and we're looking at the good the band the queen um sound checking there's about 100 people there and i was saying if we get this crowd now we will be delighted and uh we were joking standing on the side of the stage waiting to come on saying uh help it rains because then everybody will come in out of rain so we did and lashed and the tent filled up and joe was saying just just play before they leave and so i started just line checking we didn't get a sound check um, all after our animals ran over and ruined our sound check. So I was like, just just check the mic and we'll go. And I signed Black and Amber and just electricity went through the place. Everybody started singing along and I was like, these are things are here for us. So uh, Sun came out and the place was packed for the whole gig. Um, amazing, incredible, incredible uh, experience. Uh, we're still trying to process it. All of us were just blown away by it. That's great. And it's like, as I as I kind of said right at the start of the chat, um, it's great that you're having these experiences five albums in, you know, like that it isn't yeah. going to you like right at the start. Yeah, yeah, no, completely appreciate it so much more. Um, yeah, no, incredible, you know what I mean? And it was amazing. Like I could actually spot people in the crowd that I've been with us on day dot and they were just grinning from ear to ear. Like, you know, it was, um, you know, that, that, the songs were reaching that many people and you know it was a big moment for us and, and, and they were loving it as well because they've been back on the journey with us for so long as well so that was really really nice and they shared my family was there as well and they shared it with them it was very special and and like you've had a great uh summer what plans do you have now for the rest of the year um again we find that difficult to get together because you know julie julie's the kind of youngest of us and she's in college and she's a critical uh partner studies now so um so october is kind of i think the end of october we're going to do some gigs and then probably christmas again so we're just anytime she has a break we're going to be playing so 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 dates for the october will announce themselves very good very good and finally maybe you might just explain to me um the album artwork it's really striking artwork it's um from an ethiopian artist is it yeah, Cissé Tishome, his name is. Um, so my daughter is adopted from Ethiopia, so we've kind of got strong cultural ties with, with the country. And, and um, um, so uh, Cissé, we went to an art exhibition uh, in, in town uh, a couple of years back, and it was Ethiopian artists. Um, just their artwork was on tour, basically, and, and uh, a lot of the Ethiopian community from Ireland went, went, to, went to it, and I just seen this portrait that absolutely blew me away. Um, so we just kind of uh, tracked down, uh, track, tracked uh, CSA down on social media and we just started talking back and forth and we've stayed in touch ever since and uh, i seen a, a painting that he'd done and I was mad about it and a couple of years before the album came out I said I'd love that to be an album cover and, and he made me a small version of it, it was, it was different um, but he made me a kind of an even better version of it and that turned out the album cover so CSA uh, then just, you know, he let me use whatever I want. So a lot of the pictures were just pulled down off the net, like just JPEGs and pulled down. 
um, often them and just said, can you use this? And he was like, yeah, use what you want. So the whole campaign was, was he says, uh, paint. That's great. Well, um, on that note, like it, it, it's just another kind of uh, great part of the album, like the complete package and everything. Uh, I, th- I think it's a great album. It's one of um, my favorite albums this year, Irish or International. So like congratulations again on that and like all the success that you've had uh, so far from it just in the past like three months alone almost. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks a million for that. Great. And uh, thanks for the chat and best of luck with um, everything else this year. Pleasure, Al. Thank you. Cheers.